Hey everybody, welcome to tonight's Late Night Happy Hour. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky joined tonight. This will be fun by the senior uh, senior NFL writer at The Athletic, Lindsay Jones. Hi, Lindsay. Thank you for coming Hello. on. We appreciate it. We always like to acknowledge people who are not West Coasters who are willing to do this show. <laughs> Lindsay is a time zone over. Uh, yeah, so I'm we thank her for West staying Coast up late. Adjacent. Yeah, yeah Jason isn't West Coast. I, I was going to say your body probably considers yourself uh, more on the mountain side than the West Coast side. Yeah, I always feel way more off when I go to the West Coast than I do going to the East Coast. There's just something about like waking up at six or seven a.m. and being three hours away from your bosses or whatever. But no, it's it's fine. We'll be we're good. It's, it's fine. I'm yeah. staying up late. It's okay. It's fine. Carry on. Um, oh, by the way, I've never met I've never met either one of you. <laughs> there we go. You're total strangers, but I did it anyway. Um, one of the things that I, we got a lot to talk about. I want to, we, you know, you've done some great work around COVID. You've done uh, you, every every um, every kind of reporting out there on the NFL, and it's great work. But possibly my favorite thing that you do happens <laughs> on a weekly basis when your four year old makes her NFL picks. Um, we, you know, we, we, we do a podcast that's linked to gambling and all that kind of stuff. Should we take like her <laughs> word? Like she does seem to have a soft spot for the jets. I know. Although spoiler alert, um, she's not picking the jets this week. I think it's like the first time in a month we recorded her picks tonight. Um, after bath time, she's in her Christmas jammies. She actually insisted that I wear my matching Christmas jammies to do this, but Nobody needs to see mine, um, but she did not pick the Jets. So we actually, for the first time this week, um, we kind of, I, I let her hear the results of last week. And then I let her, we kind of ran down the week's games and I showed, she was like, what are those numbers? And I was like, well, that's how many games that team has won. And I'm starting to like give influence her a little bit, I think. Um, but like, are, are you, you worried sure? that he'd been picking the Jets all year? Are you worried that it just reflects badly on you? It, it might. Um, <laughs> well, the other thing, she is very oddly obsessed with Tom Brady, which... Who isn't? Is I <laughs> very handsome, Lindsay. I, he, but I don't think she understands. She doesn't know who he is. Like She couldn't pick him out. There could be two literally two people standing there she'd have no idea who tom brady is but she really likes the idea of tom brady although i did talk her kind of talk her out of picking the bucks last week and she ended up picking the chiefs um because i was like are you sure are you sure i think you know it's patrick mahomes but um <laughs> she but the, she did pick the raiders this week although she hadn't picked the raiders for a very long time and our my editor grew up a raiders fan and so every week she'll be like what the hell? Lena's still not picking the Raiders. And then she finally, I believe two weeks ago, started picking the Raiders and they lost to the Chiefs and then they lost badly to the Falcons last week. But she picked them this week, did not pick the Jets. Um, she finally now is back, is on the Seahawks. Like she was, she, she didn't pick the Seahawks at all. And now she's picked the Seahawks. She is very into the Vikings. And I believe it is only because they are purple. I thought I was going to say because she's not aware of her, who Kirk Cousins is. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that is. Well, that's cert I think that's certainly part of it. Um, but she has, I mean, she has a fairly small knowledge base of like who NFL players are. And it's basically five NFL players. And they're the players that, so we have, 
five Super Bowl bears. And I've each year at the Super Bowl since she's been alive, plus one that I was covered when she was pregnant, I've gotten the the teddy bear that has the Super Bowl logo on it. And then we've named each of those bears after the Super Bowl MVP. So we have Von Miller, uh, Tom Brady, Nick Foles, Julian Edelman, and Patrick Mahomes. That explains. Yeah. Well, that's interesting though, because on one hand, you said, you know, are you sure you want to pick against Tom Brady? It's Patrick Mahomes, which implied that she was aware of who Patrick Mahomes was. She is, but I don't think she's aware of his magic. Okay, but but I I just meant she would have the recognition because of the teddy bear. But you also have a Tom Brady teddy bear. But she's not really aware of who Tom Brady is. So I, what I think is really fun about this is. It speaks to how with little kids and the way they latch on to things, there's no rhyme or reason whatsoever sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it was funny this morning. So we, at some point, there might be two puppies that come in here and tear shit up. Good. I'm not sure if I can. I can, right? You can. Um, no, you can. But of course. Cannon did. They, <laughs> too I like late. that you did it and then asked. <laughs> I, was like, hey, I don't know. Um, <laughs> And uh, they burst into her room, and as much as we tried to like puppy puppy proof this place before they got here, they're they belong to my in laws, and they're here for a few. The puppies are here for a few days, and they, of course, sh- the puppy jumped up on the bed and took uh, Patrick Mahomes, and Lena's going, "Mommy, Toby, Toby has Patrick Mahomes," and so I'm like chasing, like drop it, leave it, and then she goes, "Well, thank goodness he didn't take Tom Brady. Like, thank goodness, not Tom Brady." If you, you ever choose which, uh, uh, you know, from your perspective, is a more magical creature, a unicorn or Patrick Mahomes, which would you take? Well, I would probably take Patrick Mahomes because, uh, yeah, I, 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 unicorns are a very big deal in this. He's, in this house. he's actually paid. He's ironically paid more like a unicorn than a unicorn. Like yeah. unicorns would not make the type of money that Patrick half a, uh, Mahomes half a billion makes. dollars. Or a half, yeah. yeah, half a billion. You know what's funny though? Like it, it, when you talk about your daughter latching on to the concept of Tom Brady or, you know, sort of who Patrick Mahomes is <laughs> in bare form, if nothing else. Like my, my daughter is nine now, but when she was, I'm guessing around three or four, she started just latching on to who Kobe was through the TV. And it was weird because she, this was during, you know, the the post Achilles part of Kobe's career where, where a lot of these games, he's in street clothes. But she just started figuring out that he was a big deal because even though he'd be on the bench, they kept focusing on him. Right, because so the team was so bad, they didn't want to yeah. show what was actually happening on the floor. So she would ask like a, me. It's a cool name, probably. Yeah. You know, it sounds yeah. cool. It's cool to say. It's cool to hear. So, I mean, she would like ask me who this guy was because I was always watching games. You know, if I, if they were road games, we, we don't uh, travel. We, or we, have, we haven't traveled for a long time covering the Lakers. So I'd be at home and she would ask me who that was. And I'd tell her Kobe and she'd be like, who's Kobe? And I explained his career. And she just started becoming more and more kind of obsessed with Kobe. And she also, though, oddly enough, the only other Laker uh, at the time that she was able to pick out in a crowd was Julius Randle. So Kobe and Julius yeah. Randle were her obsessions until LeBron joined the Lakers. But her her knowledge point of LeBron in the beginning wasn't even basketball. It was that he had appeared on an episode of Teen Titans Go. So she, she knew who LeBron was through that. Yeah. But it, it's just funny how they latch on to these things and how they – 
they they develop interest in certain players for whatever reason. Yeah, her other um, so my husband is from St. Louis, um, really big. So St. Louis are we? So are we? Fans. Oh well, here we. So this will be perfect. So you know, obviously, huge St. Louis Cardinals fans, married into a Cardinals family. It's like the one team that I've kind of adopted as like a team that I'm a really a fan of now. But so she is very into Yachty, and I think part of it is just like he, you know, he's he's a big personality. He's very recognizable. His name is really fun to say. That's the and, big one. Yeah, um, we you. Know, Obviously couldn't go to any games this year, but every time that the Cardinals are in Denver, we'll go. And last year, so it was in September, I guess, my one of my best friends has company, her company has tickets right on the, it's on the first base dugout, but like literally like feet on the dugout. And I was able to like get her company tickets and I took Lena and we sat and I was like, well, we're behind the netting, right? I was kind of freaking out about the seats. And she was so into it because she was like, where's Yachty? Where's Yachty? Where's Yachty? And like stood up kind of like on my lap and was just like yelling his name. And you know, any stadium people just cheer for Yachty. It's just this, you know, it's the Yachty chant or whatever. And she was doing it and she was like convinced that he could hear her. He's like, I mean, he hears me. Yachty hears me. And I was like, well, maybe, I mean, maybe he does, but it was, it was just, it was, that was a cool moment. So in football picks, she almost always picks the Cardinals. And I don't think she understands totally. It's not that Yachty's the team. Arizona oh, football so Cardinals are not the same as the St. Louis well, baseball. You know, it's my my daughter actually learned about who the Arizona Cardinals were because growing up in St. Louis, you know, we were there for the then St. Louis Cardinals, and I was a diehard Cardinal fan growing up until they moved, and then I became bitter against uh, the Bidwell family for moving them. Although I recently made a big decision that I decided to readopt them as my team because I tried adopting other teams and it never really worked. And I thought it's, it hasn't felt as much fun and Kyler Murray's fun. And, yeah. you know, yeah. it's more now the sun's involved with running this instead of, you know, Bill Bidwell, who I'm still a little angry at, but uh, I, I, my wife is a big time Cowboys fan. And when my daughter it asked me if I was a cowboy fan. I explained to her, no, I wasn't, no. and <laughs> had to explain to her my deal. And she knows now the football Cardinals as the team that didn't know what to do with the ball. Because <laughs> when, when they were in St. Louis, that's who they were. Yeah. They, could, they were wretched every year and just never knew what yeah. to do with the ball. They were bad. Really, really so bad. Did, so where did you guys go to high school? Uh, Country Day. Okay. My husband's from what went to Webster Groves. So. Okay. Now okay. I've played the St. Louis geography. <laughs> well, no, I mean, that's the no, question. But like, <laughs> it's, question. For people who don't know, it's a country day. It's a, it's a prep school in St. Louis. So like it's, I always hate answering that question because generally speaking, the assumption is, and you know, in the case of me, they may be correct, but Andy's a good guy that we're going to be assholes. Um, <laughs> And it's just, it's unfortunate. Like the, the, the one of the, she's not there anymore. And I, I, I feel terrible. I can't remember her name, but one of the PR people uh, from the Rams was, is from there and it was from St. Louis. And she asked me that, they, Oh, we, we kind of figured out where'd you go to high school. And I was like, <sighs> and I told her, and it was one of the first times in a while that I got the look like, Oh, oh. so you're an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Yeah. Well, my my college roommate was from Clayton, and so I got mm -hmm. like indoctrinated into this very early. And then there's just a ton of Mizzou slash St. Louis people in, in Denver, yeah, in Denver, and then also in sports media. media. So yeah. yeah, I feel like I've just been very um, immersed in this uh, 
So you you probably know our guy Ben Hockman. Oh yeah, very yeah. Um, he, one of our best, yeah, right? one of our closest friends. Yeah, um, another asshole. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, Ben's um, a really unlikable guy. Oh, what a horrible human being he is. <laughs> Yeah, well, he, he is probably asleep. He has a newborn now, so that's true. Uh, yeah, or, he, or he's or awake. He's one or the other. Well, it's he's probably two. It. It's only midnight there, so they're probably, you know, maybe in between. Feeds. Yeah, we have, yeah, we have, oh, not, yeah, closest, we have not asked him to do the show yet. <laughs> so we <laughs> do want to make sure. I know have, that's why we won't ask. We feel terrible because yeah, he would yeah. totally do it. Uh, especially we told him he get to do like we give you five minutes just to do stand up. He would absolutely one hundred. Well, did you ever? Have you ever like seen his stand-up? No, no, I just know he does it. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't, it's been a while. I think since, since he's done like an official set, but like I went and saw him at the Comedy Works in Denver when they had one of their like amateur nights, and mm -hmm. did, he did a pretty good job. He always will like try out some of the jokes, and we'll have to be like, "You need to walk that one back," um, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. But yeah, do it no, again, except make it funny, um, <laughs> like a little but less dirty, but. We have uh, a great game for the for tonight's show. Uh, we're going to play Jones Jeopardy in honor of your appearance. Um, we you know assume that all Joneses know each other, um, and so that's coming up. But I, I want to. We spend, as you might suspect, an enormous amount of time around here talking about Jared Goff and whether or not Jared Goff is good. And sometimes the answer is yes, and sometimes the answer is no. And pretty much everyone who watches this show knows my opinion of Jared Goff, which is I've always been a little Goff skeptical, and this year hasn't necessarily helped. But I, I, I want to kind of broaden it out a little bit because you, you, know, you are based in Denver where Drew Locke plays. Um, there are a ton of, of, of young quarterbacks around you know, Josh Allen was looked at as kind of busty until this year, and now he's blowing up. Lamar Jackson was a revelation, and then this year has been a little worse. You know, Sam Darnold has the Adam Gase thing. Like when people, so I guess the first question on this is like when when people look around the league at these sort of this like batch of young quarterbacks guys in that twenty five and under twenty six. Where do people put Goff in that group? You know, because guys do slide around. Carson Wentz two years ago would have been way up there, and now he's terrible. Yeah, and so Goff is an interesting case because when you say some people think he's really good, some some people think he's bad, and that's right. Like he, any given week, he could be really good, he could be really bad, and when you evaluate him, he's really tricky because he's so tied to Sean McVay. Like the mm -hmm. only year that we saw him without Sean McVay was a disaster. You know, but he was one of the worst rookie quarterbacks we've really ever seen. But how much of that was that Rams team being really bad, the offensive scheme, Jeff Fisher not really knowing what to do with that entire roster that in that entire year, that whole weird first year in LA. Should have coached the old St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, that would have <laughs> <laughs> worked had very well. Nobody knew what they were supposed to do. Might have had a little bit better luck. I don't know. But I mean, I, w I went out. To, I remember going to L.A. for Goff's first start, which I believe now I'm trying to I believe it was against the Seahawks at the Coliseum. And mm -hmm. so the first of, I, he lost seven games that year. Um, you know, oh, and so it was just it was really, really rough. And there really wasn't anything you could have like, learned about him that year. But since he's been a successful quarterback in the NFL, he's so tied to Sean McVay. And, you know, my colleague, Mike Sando at The Athletic, you know, he does his quarterback tiers. And I think it's really instructive when you look at these guys, the way that Mike has broken this down. And it's really informed the way that I think about these young quarterbacks is that 
Jared Goff is a guy who he's just so tied to McVay and how good would he be in any other system? And I think there's, he does have some really nice tools. You know, he physically fairly gifted, um, smart enough, you know, but I don't think he's in that tier of guys. That's that how they describe have. Andy. Smart, <laughs> smart enough. 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 Um, <laughs> but that you could drop in any, in any system in, in any team and that guy would be successful. So, you know, I think it's, it, it, it is worthwhile that he's won big games and he has led them to big wins. He hasn't been necessarily, you know, during that Super Bowl run in those playoff games, they weren't dragging him behind. They weren't winning in spite of him. I mean, I was at that NFC championship game that we can talk about what happened at the end of the game because of the officiating, but he played his ass up on that game. He was so good in those really big moments. And then two weeks later, he was at his absolute worst in the Super Bowl because Bill Belichick was the exact right defensive coach to scheme up to play the Rams because he knew exactly what to do to shut down that offense. I mean, mm -hmm. it was just a brilliant defensive play. I mean, that entire game was a brilliant defensive performance, but yeah, but that's the thing about golf is that you just, you know, that at some point he's probably going to win you a couple big games. He's going to have that 400 yard passing game, you know, where everything is going to be clicking, but then he's going to have these three turnover games like he did last week against the Niners. And, you know, I, I understand why they paid him. The contract is bad. I get the idea of you just, you can't keep searching for that guy. And if you think you have a guy who's most of the way there, but ugh, I, I don't know. If I was a Rams fan, I would be apprehensive about tying myself to him really long-term. But yeah, I don't, I don't know if that helps. He's, he's good. And no, he's it does. It, it, but and it, it, it's sort of how I kind of feel about it. Like you like Andy, I always refer to Andy Dalton a little further, but like, you know, back when he was this guy as kind of like your baseline, like, you know, or like Ryan Tannehill was even that for a couple of years where Andy Dalton like, prime was better than baseline. I mean, he, he was a better than baseline. But he's sort of like, but you know, he was always sort of thought of that guy as like, okay, you can't like, you need, if like, he he's not going to lead you hair, anywhere. If he had, had blonde hair or brown hair, he would have been thought That's of true. as like, Ten, like 10 spots higher. Yeah. Than there's the a, gin, there's a ginger bias. I yes, understand. I, I'm being dead serious. And played somewhere other than Cincinnati too. Yes. I mean, right. I mean, there's there that as well. Okay. So maybe he's the wrong, but like there's somewhere out there, there's a guy that's like the baseline, like he's like the, the bare minimum of what you need to be, you know, for the team around you is good enough. You can succeed with this quarterback. Um, but you'll also struggle to, you want someone better, but you're going to struggle to find someone yeah. better. Like the thing is, there's not that many of those guys, those right. tier one, the truly elite guys that will, that can win anywhere. And we're even seeing now, and I, it's, it's tough exactly to slot him in here because of Brady, you know, his age and the new scheme and stuff. But we're learning with Brady that you can't just drop completely, just drop him in there, that there's a lot more that goes into it than just being, you know, arguably the greatest quarterback of all time and being successful. You know, I think being 43 is, is certainly part of it, but you know, I watched the whole Peyton Manning coming to Denver thing really close. And that wasn't easy either. I mean, they were really good in 2012, but it was kind of a surprise that they were. And it was, pretty rough the first six weeks getting there till they, till it really clicked and they figured it out. But yeah, I mean, there's just, there's not that many guys, but I, you know, I think the Rams can win with him. You know, if you were to look at kind of that era, I mean, that group of quarterbacks from, uh, I guess what that was 2016, that was a 2016 draft. Um, 
you know, I said Dak, probably Dak would be first and then Goff. And then I think Wentz now is like a distant third. So, but he's a great example. Like what happened, you know, like Josh Allen this year has kind of gone the other way um, to all the benefit of my fantasy team. Uh, He's gone, you know, in this way, but now all of a sudden he looks like he's going to be a really good player. And Carson Wentz has fallen off a cliff. So why why does this sort of thing happen with young quarterbacks yeah. so frequently? Well, and the, the Wentz thing is like, I mean, it's not the story of the season, but it is one of the biggest stories of this season and the storylines. And it, it makes, I really want to go back now and actually watch all of those games from 2017. And ha- like, how good was he? are we like misremembering a little bit about how he was in 2017? Because obviously that was a really good team. Like, was he propped up um, Mm -hmm. artificially by the defense that they had by the ridiculous offensive line that he had by actually having starting caliber wide receivers, which he, you could argue doesn't really have now Um, was, yeah. Was he propped up? Was he, was the scheme so good? Was it a Frank Reich thing? Cause he hasn't been the same since Reich has been gone. Um, so I, you know, I'm curious if maybe what we saw during that stretch in 2017, when he kind of got into that MVP conversation, if that was kind of a mirage and the guy that we're seeing now, like maybe he's not truly as bad as he's played this year, that there's just a lot of stuff that's going wrong in Philly, but that maybe he's actually closer to this guy than he was to that 2017 guy. And if, and if that's the case, then the Eagles made a huge mistake in the type of long-term contract that they gave him which I guess now was what, like a year and a half ago? Something like, Something like that, yeah. yeah. It was before going before the 2019 season. It was before Goff got his deal, and Goff got his... Goff basically Goff got the, the last yeah. deal. Yeah. Do you, do you see anything different in Lamar Jackson? Because he's the other guy who has been different yeah. this year. Yeah, I mean, and I think the, the, the thing with Lamar, too, is that he was... You used the red word revelation, and it's completely the right word, because... Nobody was expecting that sort of year from him last year. And he was just this enigma. I mean, he was just so fun to watch week in and week out. And they were so good that second half of the year. I mean, they weren't great that first half of the season. So I think maybe it was unrealistic to expect that 2020 Lamar Jackson was going to just pick up where he was in December of 2019. Um, Maybe he was... They, they were just doing so much stuff schematically. He was kind of playing out of his mind and defenses just had no idea what to do. Um, I also have some questions about just like foundationally, some of the things around him this year. I mean, what was so fun to watch in 2019 is that we're such clearly an organizational philosophy of we are going to make Lamar Jackson succeed. We are building around him. We are building this offense to him. Yep. We are, we have the right offensive coordinator who's going to cater to him, who's going to create this offense for him. Then all of a sudden you get, to, and, and it worked, and it worked better than anybody expected. They had this transcendent running game. Mark Ingram was exactly the right guy as a player and then as, like, a hype man. Like, I would love to have somebody, like, talk about me the way that Mark Jackson <laughs> talked about Lamar Jackson last year. Nice. I mean, he's, like, the ultimate hype man. It was fantastic. Um, but then you go into this year, and their offensive line has changed a lot. I mean, losing Marshall Yanda was massive. I mean, he's he probably should be a Hall of Fame guard. I mean, he's a guard. It's like not that of a sexy position, but he was like the best guard of his generation, arguably. I mean, one of those best guys. So losing him was huge. And then they didn't do enough, I think, on offense to improve. Like they didn't go out and get 
a true number one wide receiver. Um, and then they've had injuries on at, at the running back position. You know, now they've had uh, some other massive injuries on the offensive line. So I just think there's just a lot of things that have gone wrong. I think, I think he has maybe regressed a little bit. Um, or maybe it's just that he didn't take another giant leap forward. Right. And we were all just expecting that what we saw last year was going to continue. Um, so, so I don't how many guys, how many people would you put like, because I, I sort of feel like there are a lot of people that kind of go back and forth between like the, um, you know, if you give them the right tools and I put golf in this category, if you give them the right tools and the right circumstances in a golf, I think the problem is the circumstances need to be a little too perfect, but you know, maybe Lamar Jackson's a step above that, J Josh Allen, a step above that or whatever, where if you give them what they need, they can be really good. Yeah. How many quarterbacks do you think there are that? can change the context of the talent around them, you know, in, yeah. in, in that way. Um, all right. Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, pre-age 43 Tom Brady. I, well, I'm not well, sure if Brady's well, there. Well, Deshaun Watson moving forward, that theory is going to get tested. Yeah, I think Ooh. so. I mean – it, he's already been an interesting case study this season because they haven't been winning very many games. I think they have four wins now, but he's kind of been playing out of his mind. Oh, he's been great. He's been fantastic. When, when and, you look at the yeah. people that he's either lost heading into the season, you know, with uh, DeAndre Hopkins or yeah. Will Will Fuller. Now losing Will Fuller, yeah, and, and uh, Kenny Stills, and, yeah, yeah, Kenny and the guy they and they and, you know and and Doug uh, Doug it was uh, is it uh, David, which, David Johnson. David Johnson, not Doug Johnson. David Johnson got hurt and wasn't all that good anyway before yeah. he got hurt. Um, this is a, 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 a name. Where would you put Kyler Murray? So that's interesting. So, so I don't think I'd quite put him there yet. And we're we're kind of we've seen that over the last month where a lot of their offensive plan seems to be Kyler go make something happen. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times he does, and it's freaking awesome. Um, last year I wrote a story about, uh, trying to make the case for Kyler Murray as the greatest high school player in Texas state history. So doing that story, I talked to like a lot of his high school teammates and people that he played against. And I watched a ton of his high school highlights and full, a lot of his game full games are actually online because he played in the biggest, uh, biggest classification in Texas. Um, and the stuff that he did in high school is literally the same stuff he's doing now. And like, it was crazy to see, you know, he was just like a little bit minier version. He was out on like 160 pounds, you know, just running around these guys. And I don't know how sustainable that is long-term. And we've seen when they've played against some of these really good defensive corners. I mean, you saw what the Patriots who are, not like a stacked defensive team by any means this year, but they were really able to scheme up a way to frustrate him and uh, really give the Cardinals offense a hard time. So I think like skill wise, I mean, I'm really excited about him long-term and I'm excited that it's worked that, you know, there was so much skepticism about, you know, what a guy of his stature and kind of with his skill set and being strictly this air raid quarterback, um, what he would be like in the NFL. And I'm glad that it's working so far because it's going to, it's going to be really important for the, like the long-term evaluation of quarterbacks and what we think about when we imagine who could be an NFL starting quarterback. Um, I'm not quite ready to put him in that, that category yet, but I would look at him, you know, I, you, you mentioned Josh Allen is the guy who's 
really kind of on the upward trajectory there. This time last year, you would not would have you would not have put him in that conversation. He's really the guy who's really trending up just in terms of how people look at him and the evaluation of him. Mm-hmm. And he's such an anomaly though, because he was not an accurate quarterback in college. And if you're inaccurate, he wasn't no, an accurate quarterback last year. No. And that is something that generally, I mean, it's so, so, so rare. I mean, I, I'm trying to think of other examples of guys who were inaccurate in college and became more accurate when they got to the NFL. It's so rare. It's just a really, really, really difficult thing to do. It's one of, I think, the most powerful indicators of if a college quarterback is going to transition to the NFL is is accuracy. Mm-hmm. Um, can you put the ball where you need it to go and when you want it to be there? And you know, a lot of these guys, they they just can't do that. And you, it's really hard to teach that. Um, but he has become more accurate. And I think the Bills deserve a ton of credit for that. Um, kind of similar to what I said with the Ravens, where it was like, there was very clearly a plan here. And I just love to see when a franchise has a plan. I, I was going to say, like, when it, when you take a look at uh, the draft class with Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, the other big quarterbacks from that first round, you've got uh, Josh Rosen, you've got Baker Mayfield, and you've got Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. And whatever you think could be the best case, uh, highest ceiling for all three of them, they have not been put in a position where they actually could legitimately succeed when it comes to any type of stability. You know, uh, yeah. Sam Darnold's had to deal with Adam Gase, who just came out today and said, you know, I have not done the development with Sam Darnold that was necessary. Everyone's like, oh, wow. That's the only reason you're there. <laughs> that's, that's why you're what there. Can, you're really what is it exactly you do here? Right. <laughs> you know, and J- Josh Rosen, again, I, I, whatever you think was his maximum ceiling. I'm glad you brought him up because I, he I, I, he's, yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've rooted for him for a while because I think he's a really interesting guy. And I, and I found him fun if occasionally sometimes frustrating to watch at UCLA, but he, you know, he's had chaos and Baker Mayfield, regardless of what you think he could potentially do, that guy has been surrounded by chaos yeah. Lamar Jackson, in a lot of ways, got lucky that he slipped mm-hmm. so far because yeah. he ended up with a really stable, good organization. You know, Josh Allen has had the same head coach every year. His OC has either been his OC every year or has been part of the team every year. Stuff like that makes a difference. If and if they- Josh Rosen went to fell to Baltimore, what's his career trajectory? Yeah, that's that's interesting. I had I've never thought of. That, I mean, because that would have been far. So aren't you was, glad you stayed up late what? now? He was what the tenth pick? Did he? He was like, higher. I think he was higher. Let me look. I, 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 higher than that. I'm trying to remember now exactly because there was some move. There were they were. He there might was, been, he, there was trading going on and yeah. Okay. I think the Cardinals did end up moving moving up a little bit to get him. He was the tenth pick in the draft. Yeah. Yes, he was, my bad. He was, my bad. They, Arizona traded up to get him. Um. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I don't, I don't know Would I mean, I, I'm pretty sure Joe Flacco still would have gotten hurt and he would have had to play. Um, I, but no, I don't, I don't think it would have been quite the same. Um, but I think he at least would have had he maybe, developed better, even just as, yeah. a, as a backup. Like he might, maybe, yeah. maybe you don't end up in Miami in that, I mean, just tragic was, situation there. A, that was such a weird, such a weird situation and a weird trade. And now he's in, Tampa, which is yeah, on the practice squad, I think. Yeah, he's on the practice squad, and he yeah, so he's like inactive, but so he's part of the quarterback room with Brady and Blaine Gabbert. 
Okay, is he in the room? Because like, don't this is where Denver went wrong, correct? Like, Denver didn't have like a designated survivor or whatever it is. Bruce Arians was the first guy who brought this up back in the offseason. He kind of said, yeah, maybe I think we might have to quarantine a quarterback. And then he didn't end up doing it. Um, But now some teams are. I mean, there were a couple that did it all, you know, did it originally. Um, The Bills have been doing it with Jake Fromm. The Eagles started to do it with with Josh McCown. Although they were, he was in Houston or somewhere in Texas. So it wouldn't have worked. I mean, it, <laughs> right. It, That's a little too far of, away. Yeah. So it's like if all of a sudden, you know, um, Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts, and I think they still have another quarterback too, um, Sud, Nate Sudfeld. If all three of them had gotten wiped out, it's not like they could have gotten him in the building on a Saturday afternoon. But yeah, I mean, more teams have done it now. The Broncos are going to make Blake Bortles their designated survivor and isolate him around uh, away from the rest of the team. Um, I believe the Giants are now doing that with Alex Tanny, who they just signed. They're going to kind of keep away. Um, would be very wise for all of the playoff-bound teams to try and to th- do When they do that, does that well. mean they stay away from not just the quarterbacks, from everyone, correct? Uh, well, certainly from the other quarterbacks, um, they don't necessarily have to stay away from the coaches. Like they can go through like drills on the field with coaches at a separate time, as long as they're all wearing their masks and are distanced from each other. I think the idea for is for, to keep them away from the other guys in their position group so that they okay. all get wiped out by a contact tracing. I don't think it's so... I don't think they're so worried that all of a sudden one of the guys is going to come in infected and infect everybody else. It's the like... Exactly. It's exactly the situation that happened with the Broncos, where it was one guy testing, you know, they're, they're negative, 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 hang out together, don't, you know, are lax about wearing their masks. Two days later, they test positive, and then they all get wiped out because of the rules that require right. the contact tracing. I mean, I think there is still a chance that, you know, an entire offensive line group with the Raiders or whoever could they could all get COVID. But I think it's more like... Oh, yeah. the, I think we've seen with Baltimore, anything's possible. Uh, yes. I mean, this week, more than any other week this year, has been has, has shown us very clearly what the NFL's plan is, uh, and that's to play these games under any circumstances. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, we asked over and over and over again all offseason, like, what are your contingency plans? What are you going to do if there's an outbreak? What are you going to do if a position group can't play? And they just were like, we'll figure it out. You know, they didn't want to talk about their contingency plans. To, uh, and White. Nothing stops this train. Yeah. And that's fairly much, that's kind of how it feels. And I don't know if there's nothing that can stop it, but right now, I mean, if, if a major outbreak within one team pushing a game from Thursday to Sunday to Tuesday to Wednesday, isn't going to stop it. If it wiping out a whole quarterback room, isn't going to stop it. It's hard to think exactly what, did what you did you find that Wednesday afternoon game as delightful as the rest of America did? I mean, man, that was fun. <laughs> it was so bizarre. And yeah, I mean, it was a 140 kickoff here in Denver, which was super weird. The annoying thing is that I have um, DirecTV and they're in a dispute with the Tegna NBC station. And yesterday was the first day that NBC was not available. And so I like turned on the TV and like switched it over to NBC and I got like the blue screen that said like, this channel no longer available. And I was like, what the... <laughs> I had to figure out. Yeah, I had to figure out like the workarounds to go through some like local app or whatever to get the game. Right, and, and and after all that, you got to watch that football game. Yeah, <laughs> so I that was your reward. Did you miss the completion? 
I no, I uh, Trace McSorley's completion. No, oh no, I'm sorry. I'm thinking. Oh, I'm thinking the, about. We're thinking talking about. No, you're talking. You're thinking about the Denver game. game. The one completion. Well, I was at that game. I was in the press box. Oh wow! Wow. Game. Yeah, I've only gone to three games this season, and that was one of them. <laughs> so it's hardly like calling it a football game. But I, I, I mean, I, I just joked about him, but like that situation beyond being un, unfair to him, that's just surreal. Yeah. Like the idea of you're tossed into this game with like 24 hours notice. You don't really play the position at all. And like, how much has he even been around like these dudes? Like, so, like almost none. So, not only had Kendall Hinton not played quarterback in the NFL, he hadn't played in the NFL period. He was an undrafted rookie at a Wake Forest this year, um, got cut at the end of training camp. So he got cut on like you know September 5th or whatever the, the roster cut down day was. And then he was like working a sales job. Um, he was back in North Carolina and it was kind of in like pseudo sports marketing, but I think like the very low level, like, selling the fundraiser type deals in these market for these marketing companies. Um, and they, the Broncos called him back up to the practice squad on November 4th. So he came back to Denver, passed all his COVID protocols and everything. And then was, you know, working as a scout team receiver, doing a lot of um, uh, special teams stuff, catching punts. You know, I think they were looking at him as a potential, you know, scout team slot receiver, maybe if they needed a punt returner to call up to the active roster, for whatever reason. So, um, which is basically like being the starting quarterback. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah so they're almost you know, the same. He's not, he didn't take a single snap at quarterback <laughs> in training camp. Um, under no circumstances would he have taken any snaps at quarterback. Um, you know, and he never took a single snap like with the ones or with the twos. I mean, he was strictly scout team and special team. By the end of his career at Wake, he wasn't taking num- snaps with the ones in practice at wake. Yeah, no, I mean, he converted, he was a full-time wide receiver right. by the end of his career. And he, you know, he had some, like nice receiver games. And I, I talked to his, I talked to Dave Clausen, the head coach at wake and their quarterbacks coach on Saturday night, like when they realized, you know, when it was like, this, this was going to be, be the guy. And it was one of the, you know, it was all those calls of like, well, who is this guy? What, what should we know about him? And all this stuff they could say was like, great hands, really great hands, really good. <laughs> like, well, that's clearly what you want in your starting quarterback. But the other thing that they all said about him was just um, great kid, poised, like the right temperament that, you know, this was a really shitty situation, but that it wasn't going to, like, he wasn't going to have a panic attack and like completely freak out. And like, he would be like, he would be cool. He could come into the huddle and he wouldn't, I mean, can you imagine, like, it's oh, I, mean, look, I, I joked about, you know, a, a, again, sort of brain cramping with which team we we're talking about. But I, I joked about the idea of, you know, did you miss the completion? Yeah. The reality is, if you put the average wide receiver around the NFL, like one that has been practicing with his offense on a regular basis and said, we want you to play quarterback for a quarter. Let's see how many completions you get. Yeah. They're not going to get many more than Hinton. Yeah. No, honestly, no. They're not. no, I mean, it was a real reminder of just how hard that position is. I mean, you could make the argument and you, I mean, I think it would be a pretty easy argument to make that there's no harder position in all of professional sports than playing. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And this kid was asked to do it on 24 hours notice with no practice. And it's going to be a hell of a story for him to tell for the rest of his life. I mean, he may never play another snap in the NFL. I mean, he may never get called up as a wide receiver. That's I hope crazy. he does. 
I hope he gets the chance to like cash some pies. They, shouldn't the Broncos give him a game on the active roster just to reward him for having to do that? Yeah, I, I feel like they probably should. In the way that this is going, they probably will need to call him up at, <laughs> at some point anyways. But yeah, I mean, it was crazy. I mean, and I've, you know, this, I've been covering the NFL since 2008. I covered the University of Florida before that when Tim, Tim Tebow was there. So like, I've seen a lot of stuff, right? You know, I've covered a lot of weird stuff, especially in the NFL and that 24 hours and the story, what we kind of learned about what transpired before that. I mean, it's right up there with the most bizarre situation. Um, and ultimately like when this pandemic season is over and, you know, we are looking back at what a weird year this was that Kendall Hinton story is going to be like one of those defining moments of absolutely yeah, Denver is though three games behind for that seven spot. So I don't know if they can really afford to mess around with the season. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it'd be the nice thing to do for Hinton, but you know, you, you still got to be thinking about the larger picture. <laughs> well, they're in this weird, like kind of purgatory area where they're not going to be one of the worst teams in the league, but they're also not close to being one of the best teams in the league. So like, what do you, do like, and it's it's kind of a bad place to be where you're six and ten and you're picking at number 13 or right. and that's kind of where they've been but yeah it's they're not in a great it's a bad it's a bad place in any sport i mean that's you yeah. know it, it, that's the whole value around tanking it's worked in baseball it's worked in basketball um and it's very hard if you don't have access to the the, the talent at the top of any draft um, to be good. I mean, particularly if you think you're still looking for a quarterback, I mean, not to go down the, the Drew Lock rabbit hole, well, but you know, people are, people are always looking for a quarterback, especially John Elway. Yeah. I think it was, was it last year? It was two years ago that he was like, I'm going to shake every tree. And he's still, he's still going to be shaking them. And I, I don't think there's anything that we've seen out of Drew Lock this year that is, I still think they are going to go into next season with him, but I would not be shocked if they, inquire about <laughs> who is out there and maybe make a significant move to try to acquire somebody else. Josh Rosen's available. Uh, Sam Darnold is probably going to be, available, yes. which yeah. is, uh, that's the guy that they wanted. So the Broncos were, had the fifth pick in that draft, that quarterback year with Allen and Darnold and Baker and all of those guys. And that's the year they ended up taking Bradley Chubb. Um, cause it was kind of a surprise that Chubb fell to five. Um, but Darnold was the guy that they wanted. Darnold was the top quarterback on that board this year. And I don't think, I, I think I still really likes him. And uh, so that would be, that would be interesting. I think there's going to be a number of teams that will be interested. Well, there are, I think, you know, to, Andy's got some, some other stuff. I know there are people in LA who would love to see Sam Darnold get out of You're of, talking of to New one York. Of yeah. I'm, for I'm an FC guy. So, I mean, I've been rooting for Darnold anyway. He is, you know, by all impressions I've had being around him and by everything I've ever heard, he's a great guy. And, you know, he works hard. He's well-liked. I would like to see him in a situation that doesn't involve Adam Gase, whether that is in... Well, that's going to happen. Whether that's <laughs> yeah. in New York or whether that's... I mean, look, he, he can stay with the Jets. I don't necessarily need him to not be a Jet, although it always seems like your chances increase if you're not a Jet. It does but help. The most, yeah. But the most important thing is... is with like Joe Brady. Yeah, something. just anything. In the uh, the most uh recent uh the football show, the podcast for the Athletic Network that you were that you're uh doing with uh 
with Robert Mays. Yeah. Uh, there, there was an interesting um, exchange you guys had talking about um, you had predicted that you think there's going to be a run this offseason on defensive coordinators getting hired. Yeah. Like the, you think that's going to be sort of the the uh, position du jour. Where, and in a lot of ways, uh, or at least Robert thought, that this was the Brandon Staley effect. And the I, success- think part of, I think that's a little, that's part of it. Um, um, I also think defense has been really bad this year and there's going to be a lot of head coaches that make that move to save their jobs to think it will help improve their job security by, okay, I'm going to fire the defensive coordinator. The defense was bad. I'm going to fire the defensive coordinator, bring somebody else in. Um, do you, but you do agree though, that some of this though, is the, the success that Brandon Staley's had with the Rams this year as their, as their DC. I think there's a bit of that. Yeah. Because he's, he's been this breath, uh, breath of fresh air for them. And, you know, he really is the like Sean McVay of the defense. And okay, our- they, I'm, I'm glad you went there because that that's really what I wanted to get into you with um, two parts to the question I wanted to ask one, what specifically have you seen that you think would make sort of the, the Brandon Staley of it all seem attractive, like where you would look for that next Brandon Staley specifically, but also you had mentioned, you know, Sean McVay, and he's sort of like the defensive version of uh, Sean McVay. It's really interesting when you see which coaches start that sort of trend, and which one doesn't. Like, you know, the, the Cardinal, the Rams, are, are playing the Cardinals this weekend, and Cliff Kingsbury. A lot of people think got the benefit of the Sean McVay narrative. Remember, so he was going to be USC, right? I mean, I mean, they, they put it out in their press release that they were friends. Well, yeah, and, and <laughs> yes. Remember, I mean, he was he was going to be uh, USC's OC a- until yeah. they pried him out. I mean, he was well, he was what the your or- favorite moment, moment of his tenure at USC. Like, oh, what, what do you remember most? It, it, I mean, <laughs> it, it, days. I was gonna I was gonna say it's like choosing between your children, but I only have one, so it's it's you know so many <laughs> memories. But like, it, it's just interesting though. Like when, as opposed to like say an Eric Bieniemy who you would think would spark that type of, you know, that type of, for lack of a better way of putting it, fad or craze. And I, and without getting into some of the elements of, you know, where race falls in it and stuff like that, it's just, it, and I know that that is a factor, but it's just interesting when you see what sparks these crazes and what doesn't, like in terms of it being a copycat league. Yeah, well, and I think so much of what's worked there is that there's just this like insane synergy between McVeigh and um, Brandon Staley, like they just really like, like complete each other. And it's crazy because they didn't know each other before, like, you know, maybe in passing through coaching circles, but they were not, um, they hadn't been on a staff together. There wasn't this like great overlap. I think there were people who, um, so he came from Denver where he worked, uh, he was, I guess he was with Joe Woods at some point. And like, there, or no, he had come with Vic Fangio. So there wasn't a ton of like crossover there. But I think there was just this understanding that they would, like that they would, the first time they met, that they were both just like, it was like the best first date ever, you know? And, <laughs> um, but I think what has succeeded there and that is pretty universal in coaching is that he knows how to get the most out of his personnel and get the best out of these guys. And it helps that they have some very, very, very talented defensive players. I mean, look, if you can't 
make Aaron Donald look great, then you should not be coaching, right? Well, but like, and, and if you can't I, make Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey look great, yeah, right. The but problem like, might be you. It's not just that Jalen Ramsey looks great; it's that the way that they're using Jalen yeah. Ramsey is just yeah. brilliant, and you know, putting him in that kind of like star hybrid position where it's not just like dumb Jaguar stuff that they did. You know, that was a ex very much an example of like not maximizing your talent and knowing exactly what you needed to do with guys. So I just think that that, I, I think that's part of it. And so it's not necessarily like, okay, we don't have to go find the next Brandon Staley, but you need to have guys who one, have a plan. I can't, I feel like this is the thing that I always come back to, but that you have a plan for all of these, these players, because scheme is great. It's great that you can like scheme up you know, X's and O's when you're standing in a classroom. But if you don't actually know what to do with the guys that you have and to make those guys better and do it on a week to week basis where it's really matchups and um, doing it against all sorts of different offenses and those sorts of things, then like it doesn't really matter how great your how great your scheme is. So I think that's, you know, maybe the the next, you know, the trend or whatever. So that's um, those are the qualities when they say the Sean McVay of or the next Sean, like those are the qualities of Sean yeah, McVay that they're pulling at. Yeah, I think that's part of it. And then McVay just has, I mean, you guys probably, you know, you know, I'm in LA and like yeah. he just has this like energy mm -hmm. about him where it seemed crazy when he was hired. But then once you talk to him, it was like crazy that he wasn't already kind of in that head coaching world because he just had it and you get the same you get that vibe from kyle shanahan there's a lot of these guys that just kind of exude the head coaching thing and then there's right. guys who don't and like look i've, I've known adam gase a very long time i mean because he was in denver i mean he was the wide receivers coach in denver in 2009 which was my second year on the beat and you know was really we're kind of so he's just a little bit older than me i think you know it's kind of similar age, ages or whatever and he never struck me as like the head coach type, right? He never, I, it just was, it never seemed like he didn't exude that mm -hmm. thing. And um, it hasn't really worked for him. No, and it I, doesn't I, seem like he is a head coach. Yeah. Coach, and that he doesn't have like good football ideas and stuff, but it just, you know, I think maybe some guys are better to be quarterbacks coaches or where you can really work with one guy or one position group and not have to deal with all the other stuff. Yeah. Um, before we get to Jones Jeopardy, we did have a question we meant to ask you earlier that was left by three teamer on the chat. Can you please ask Lindsay if she thinks the Ravens can still make the playoffs? Um, I do because, well, one, there's an extra playoff card or playoff team now so there's going to be three wild cards which definitely helps let me um i need to see the exact standings let me just i'm gonna look i've got it in front of me right now you do okay um yep. oh i do know two they are one game they're one game behind uh indianapolis uh slash yeah. miami for seven yeah i mean so last week was I mean, helpful to them or not disastrous to them. You know, obviously they lost the last game of week 12, which was basically week 13, but the Colts also lost the Raiders lost. So the dolphins lost. So, or no, the dolphins won. They beat the jets. They lost the week before that, but there, I, I think there is, it is still possible. Um, what's their remaining schedule? What's their upcoming um, schedule? I, look I like? can pull that up right now. Um, it's not as easy as the Steelers schedule, which they've got a uh, ridiculously easy schedule remaining. They've got the Cowboys, then at Cleveland, uh, hosting Jacksonville, hosting the Giants at Cincinnati. 
Oh, actually, that's, that's not, not bad. That's not a bad schedule. Good. No. It's actually, I don't think actually that different than the Steelers' upcoming schedule. That Browns game is going to be massive. They blew yeah. the Browns oh, yeah. out. They blew the Browns out in week one, and they have gone completely opposite directions, right, in the last month of the season. So uh, that's that's the game to watch, right? If if they lose that game, there's no, I don't think they make the playoffs. I mean, I still think they possibly could because you have to look, you know, the Raiders right. certainly are fallible. The Colts are like all over the place um, from yeah. on, a week, on a week to week basis. Um, so I, th- I think they could, but it's going to be, I think it's going to be pretty tenuous and they have to win that Browns game. Okay. Um, so I lied. Uh, we do have one more thing to ask you before we get to Jones Jeopardy. Yeah. I'm not sure if you've been monitoring the the chat, which I believe you can see. Like you can see oh, this. Uh, there are a lot of people who are very concerned that you can't watch television from your couch. Like they see the TV oh, behind you and the couch oh, is under the funny. TV. So they um, want to know how you watch TV. This right here. Uh huh. That's a picture. So this is like the oh. formal. Um, oh. This okay. would be in a normal person's house. This would be like the formal living room. So we got. So I'm downstairs. I'm not in my office right now because my daughter's room is right next to it. So like, right. That's like the front door. Okay. So this is. Um, and then yeah, we gotta let's see this way. Gotta, oh, that's a window. That's a window. Oh yeah yeah yeah. So this is a window behind me. The, okay, that clears okay. it up. Everybody thought, yeah, and you were sort of triggering people. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. So, so there's well, no we there. we have a habit of, and there's just a strange strange habit of finding guests with room layouts that trigger our viewers. That's like funny. there was there was we had I don't remember who it was, but she had a TV mounted in the wall in a way that didn't look totally stable and you could see all of the cords um, and that really oh, that funny. really bothered that, people. that really oh my god really, that bothered people yeah like yeah. we had a lot of people very worried for who i don't remember who the guest was but like, it was worried, sabrina merchant sabrina merchant like worried for her safety you have to admit were that the tv that would be a horrible place to put it uh, yeah above, above well, the couch and also there's something weird about my laptop um like the display settings that I always kind of uh-huh. look a little sepia toned. Um, I don't know exactly why. So that might be throwing it off a little bit, but yeah, no, that, that's a window that like faces out to the front of the house. Okay, so like okay, everybody, everybody feels by, like, much better now. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's yeah. company. Yeah, yeah, we were very worried and now we're feeling better. Okay. We got to get you out of here relatively on time. So to do that, we have to play uh, Jones Jeopardy. It is exactly what you think it is. It is a, is, is a, a game of Jeopardy in which the answer to every question is centered around somebody named Jones. Um, I have four categories, athletes, musicians, actors, and fictional Joneses. Uh, uh, You can can go for the 100, 200, or 300. Um, And your name is your buzzer. So like, for example, you'd say, I'll take athletes for 100, and then I read the clue. And as I read it, if you know it, you just shout out your name, and then you answer the question, but obviously have to phrase it in the form of a question. So Andy and I each other you yes, are playing against are. each other i can keep score um and <laughs> yeah here we go so again athletes musicians actors and fictional uh joneses this is the first time we've ever tried jeopardy on this show so uh you are a guinea pig congratulations what what category would you like you're our guest you can open we'll athletes for 100 athletes for 100 um this longtime atlanta braves third baseman was the 1990 1990- lindsey 
Chipper Jones. Chipper who is Jones. Chipper Jones? Oh, who is Chipper? Well, no, let it go this she corrected. She corrected herself. Who is Chipper Jones? Uh, you are up one hundred to zero. Oh my god! And you were right, Chipper Jones. You are going to fuck up this score so badly. <laughs> Very likely. All right, you still control the board. Um, athletes for two hundred. This former Rams, Chargers, and Redskins uh, player is considered by many to be the first truly modern defensive end. He was inducted in the NFL Hall of Fame Andy. in 1980. Andy. Who is Deacon Jones? Who is Deacon Jones? That is correct. Uh, you control the board, Andy. Uh, let's go musicians for 400. There is Brian. no 400, Andy. <laughs> what? 300? 100, 200, 300. Yes. 300. Okay. Born David Robert Jones. He created Andy. His, Andy. Who is David Bowie? Who is David Bowie? Andy up 500 to 100. That. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe we're related. <laughs> maybe. maybe. Uh, let's go musicians 200. Musicians for 200. She cleaned up at the 2003 Grammys, winning basically everything an artist can, including best Lindsay. song for Don't Know Why. Lindsay. Nora, who is Nora Jones? Who is Nora Jones? Lindsay oh. up to $300, trailing Andy by 200. You control the board. Uh, we'll go fictional characters for 300. Fictional Jones is for 300. This Jones, played by Kim Cattrall, was made famous on Sex in the City. Lindsay. Lindsay. Who is Samantha Jones? Who is Samantha Jones? 600 to 500. This is getting very, very competitive. Um, uh, fictional characters for 200. Fictional characters for 200. Dr. Henry Walton Jones, the famous archaeologist, was called Junior by his father, but this Andy. by everyone else. Andy. Who is Indiana Jones? Who is Indiana Jones? 700 to 600. Whoa. This is exciting. Andy, you control the board. Uh... Uh, who fictional Jones is 100 fictional Jones is for 100 closing out the category. This book character was made super famous after Renee Zellweger played her in Andy. The movies. Andy, <laughs> who is Bridget Jones? Who is Bridget Jones? Yes. Lindsay kicking herself for not buzzing in faster. I can tell <laughs> getting how to say my own name. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. Um, Andy. All right. We have actors, uh, one left in musicians and two left in athletes. Uh, I'll take the remaining musicians. It's not unusual to love this singer. Andy. It's not unusual. Andy. Who is Tom Jones? Who is Tom Jones? That is exactly right. 900 to 600. Uh, actors, 300. Actors for 300. She bounced around in a stream of mostly minor roles in TV and film before landing the role of Betty Draper on Mad Men. Andy. Andy. Who is January Jones? Who is January Jones? That is correct. You are now up 1,200 to 600. Lindsay, I knew this, was, I knew this was coming. Is there, um, is there a daily double? No, but there is a final Jeopardy. Um, I didn't think about daily double. It's, like it's the first time we've tried this. You could arbitrarily add one. It's, this is true. Okay, go ahead. Who, actors 200. He was uh, a guard on Harvard's undefeated 1968 football Andy. team. Andy. Who is Tommy Lee Jones? Who is Tommy Lee Jones? Why, you didn't even need the clue. Yeah. That's really impressive. No, I didn't need the clue. I need to like, get all the way to the fugitive probably for that one. That's exactly right. But he was <laughs> best known for playing uh, U.S. Marshal yeah. Samuel Gerard in the fugitive. What you really need is for Brian to uh, arbitrarily give a daily double. I will as soon as, <laughs> as she buzzes in. Right. I can't do it until after Lindsay gets one. I need her to control the board before I can give the daily double. Um, 
right. Andy, uh, we have two left: musicians for one hundred, actors. Oh, and all and one sports for uh, left for three hundred. I'll take uh, actors for a hundred. Actors for a hundred. This Welsh actress has starred in films including Entrapment, The Mask of Zorro, Traffic, Andy. Chicago. Oh, Andy. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Who is Catherine Zeta-Jones? That is correct. Trying to help Lindsay, uh, but it's not working. Uh, Andy, musicians for 100 or athletes for 300? Uh, let's go musicians for one. Actually, no, I already asked that question. <laughs> How about athletes for 300? <laughs> let's go athletes three. Uh, he was the winner of the Kentucky Derby in the Preakness in 2004, but fell short of the Triple Crown by finishing second at the Belmont. Uh, this is all you, Lindsay. A horse? It is a horse. Wait, no, wait, no. Ask him. That is a question. It's a horse? Yes, I will give you credit for that. 900, you get 300. It, it, it's a horse. Yes, that's a question. Smarty Jones. Smarty Jones, yeah, I do. But I'm going to give you credit for it's a horse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess. Yeah. That would have been a big story if like a human had won the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> it would have been. I think you would have remembered. <laughs> All right. But the good news is, Lindsay, that gives you a chance in Final yeah. Jeopardy. It's not a wash. It's not a runaway. Um, and so you are you have 900. Okay. Andy has 1,500. Okay. Please uh, just tell – you have to write down your wagers in advance. Okay. Or at least, you know, be honest. What, what or if you have a chance to win, Lindsay lie. What am I up? You, it's, you have uh, fifteen hundred. Lindsay has nine hundred. I think I did that math right in my head. I would just go ahead and it. bet nine hundred, Lindsay. I don't. I don't want. I don't want to be the boss of you. But fifteen hundred minus nine hundred. Andy, if she doubles her score, you need to. You need to bet. Right. Okay. Three hundred and one dollars. Right. Okay. <laughs> Wagering three hundred one. <laughs> there we go. You're safe. You're safe. Thank Good you, God, Andy. Come on. <laughs> All right, here we go. Yeah. Uh, the the final Jeopardy question is this. I probably should have told you the category, but I don't really have one. Okay, here we go. Depending on your interests, you know him either as the bass player from Led Zeppelin or the most well known naval commander of the Revolutionary War. Do we have to write it down? Yeah, sure. If or... you can. <laughs> Again, you know him as either the bass player of Led Zeppelin or yeah. the uh, most well-known naval commander of the Revolutionary War. Somebody in the chat can also help out Lindsay while we're doing this. I have no idea. All right. Uh, Lindsay, you are behind. I think you need to go first. Yeah. See, I would have had a different, um, <laughs> I can't read that, but John Paul Jones. That is correct. Okay. The answer is John Paul Jones. Very good. Also contestant on the bachelor or the oh, bachelor. I, that would have, I would have gotten that one. <laughs> you, you, when, what did you wager? 900. Very good. You're up to 1800. Andy, did you come up with John Paul Jones? Oh, he is. Who is John Paul Jones? Did you wager more? $301. Yes. You told me what, you told me right. what that. Would you had I not actually told you what the number was? 
50-50. Oh, that is unfortunate. Lindsay, you lose tonight's uh, inaugural Jones Jeopardy by $1. It's all right. I'm technically not legally a Jones anymore anyway, so it's fine. Oh, what? Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll use your married name for the next round. <laughs> yeah. We could ne next time, which will be a little easier probably, but no, that's fine. <laughs> I might, my next, ego time, next time, which will be never, she says. <laughs> <laughs> As right. this was totally a one-off. I'll, I'll do a Wikipedia search of all the famous Joneses. <laughs> all right, well, that's how I found this. Thank you, Lindsay Jones, senior NFL writer at The Athletic. Thank you so much for doing this and staying up late. I, I know it's not easy. This was fun. Um, my child will certainly be up soon hopefully I mean, i'm amazed she actually didn't wake up at all um but yeah no this is great it was really fun thanks for having me you guys really appreciate it Anytime. thank you very much great meeting yeah. you too it's nice to meet you guys too um my daughter's nfl picks will be up uh we taped them today so stay tuned okay. we, will, we will tweet those out when they come yeah. out it is the, yeah, the best part of anyone's week um it's at by lindsey h jones i'll probably tweet them sunday morning um okay okay cool a couple hours before the game, but spoiler alert, she's not taking the Jets this week. So well, oh. she's she finally watched game tape of Adam Gase, and it's not worth it. Um, yeah. Tomorrow night, Damon uh, Rangula will talk NBA and uh, some Lakers stuff. Obviously, a busy week for the Lakers with LeBron and AD both extending. We'll do that. Megan Gailey, the comedian, on Monday. That'll be a lot of fun. Thanks again to Lindsey Jones. We'll see everybody tomorrow. Don't you need a line. <laughs> <laughs>